This is the Edumatch Podcast Network, bringing you amazing educators sharing their love of learning one show at a time. The Edumatch Podcast Network is proud to support this show and many others. Find out more at edumatchpn.com. The ideas and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely of the individual podcaster. This is TLC Ninja, a podcast for teachers by teachers about classroom innovation. Happy New Year, everybody. This is so exciting. We are now in 2020, and we would like to welcome you to episode 92 of TLC Tech Learn Coffee, a proud member of the Edumedge Podcast Network. And this is our first episode of the new year. I'm so excited. I am your host, Lisa Nowakowski, a fifth grade teacher in South Monterey County here in California. And I'm Nancy Minicozzi, an instructional technology coach in Beverly Hills, California. And just as a reminder, we have a 15-minute format because ain't nobody got more time than that. No, they don't. And today is January 1st, or at least that's when we're releasing this episode. So you might be making New Year's resolutions and definitely consider adding drink more coffee to your list. It lowers the risk of cancer and many other diseases and can even help you live longer. If you visit the show notes, you'll find a link to the full article where we got this information, giving you 51 reasons coffee is good for you, not that I needed any of them to convince me to drink more coffee. (laughs) You know it. So our guest is Allie Thrower. Am I pronouncing that correctly? You are. Excellent. And she is going to be talking to us about an alternative to the dreaded reading log. So Allie, Tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what you do. Hi, I'm Allie, and I'm a continuous improvement coach in the upstate of South Carolina. Before this year, I was a fifth grade teacher. I have four years in third grade and four years in fifth. My ninth year in public education. I also teach part-time in the School of Education at a local university. I'm married to a middle school social studies teacher, and we have a three-year-old little boy. I'm excited to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Well, we are so excited to have you because as we were chatting uh, before the show, Lisa also got rid of her reading logs. So um, tell us about your experience using reading logs. Did the nightly practice help your students learn to love reading? So I dropped the reading log several years ago and tried out a variety of alternatives before kind of landing on the accountability partners. What I did notice in my own personal classroom was a trend that was both alarming and disheartening. For example, my students who came from more affluent homes always had their logs signed, whereas students from more non-traditional homes rarely did. And like Lisa and I actually talked about, we had parents, you know, kind of filling out logs and signing when it was super apparent their children were not truly reading at home. And then the opposite of that, where students were forging those lines as well. And I... In my first year of teaching, I was in a district and I taught at a school where they had a reading program that mandated the reading log. So we were expected to kind of assign it for homework. And I noticed that a lot of, you know, colleagues would assign reading at lunch or reading at recess if they did not complete their reading at home. And that was something that I had kind of already decided that I would not pair consequence with it. But I think because they were kind of conditioned in that way prior to coming to me in third grade, they were just so afraid not to complete their lines at home at night. And then I also found that students who 
probably should have been reading for more than 20 minutes at home and were probably definitely reading for more than 20 minutes at home, always had those same 20 minutes logged on their reading logs. And I also know that we would call them timekeepers, right? They would set their timer for 20 minutes and read. And when that 20 minutes was up, that was it. They would stop. They wouldn't take the time to finish their page or their chapter or read more to find out what was going to happen to their character. But because their 20 minutes, that homework time was done, they were done. So they didn't really have that buy-in and that true love for reading. In general, what I found was kids who loved reading mostly were going to read at home and the kids who didn't or who struggled with reading were definitely not motivated to do so because I assigned it for homework. Yeah, you know, that's, those are all really good points. And one thing, um, you know, the equity issue, um, we don't really think about that when we're doing reading logs, but that, that is really a big deal. Um, I hadn't considered that, so thank you for bringing that up. I'm one of those people that I try to always consider equity, but I hadn't thought of that, so one more place where we need to consider it. So, um, and you talked about the how reading was a punishment, which, you know, that's just so sad. It really would turn kids off of reading. Right. So, so why do teachers assign reading logs? There must be a lot of research that suggests that they're super effective. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I definitely found the opposite. And I think what was really alarming to me is the research I was coming across or the blog posts that I was reading, they were from years ago, even a decade ago, before I even started my teaching career. And here I had, you know, kind of started my first few years with the reading log because that's what we were being told to do. But for years now, people have kind of been speaking out and a lot of parents too, I was able to find some just some blog posts where they were really not happy with their reading blog. I do reference one research-based article in my piece with Edutopia, which I think you guys are going to link, where they did find in their study that students even became disinterested in reading. So prior to the study, they were interested in reading, but then when there was a mandate placed, like the reading log, their interest in reading dropped. But if it was left voluntary and they had the option, then there was an increase in student interest in reading. And I um, try to practice sending out surveys as a teacher to my students, like through Google or through our learning management system and to their families. And going straight to the source, what I found was almost unanimously, we were going to kind of drop it, uh, trash the reading log based on just what my students and their families felt as well. And, and that's wonderful that you were able to involve your families in that decision too. I think that's that's important in getting buy-in because otherwise families might think, oh, well, this teacher isn't assigning reading logs and everybody else in the school that might, or every other teacher my student has had so far has assigned them. There must be right. something wrong with her. So I think it's great that you kind of got their permission or their input rather. Right. So since you weren't doing reading logs, what alternatives did you try? The first thing that I tried out was using Padlet as um, an optional, and I really always kind of focused on that word optional, digital reading log. So it was still kind of used in the same way, but I never mandated it. The biggest difference with it was it was digital. So just in that alone, it was a lot more friendly for kiddos, and they were more than just putting down a line. They were actually going to write a review or write a recommendation or a summary for the book that they had finished. And then they got to upload a picture of them with their book, which they of course loved because what kid doesn't love taking a selfie? 
So kind of pairing that picture with their recommendation almost kind of tricked them into this intrinsic motivation of reading and then writing that response and then being able to kind of share their picture with their book. And what I did with Padlet is I created one for every kiddo. This was when Padlet was still 100% free, so it was a lot easier to do then. And then I uploaded each of their uh, Padlets or linked each of their Padlets to our learning management system. And from here, they could go on to access theirs to post about their most recent book, but they could also check out each of their classmates. So they could get book recommendations from a classmate and then even go straight to the source and talk to them more, you know, getting more information about that book or even asking if they could borrow a book. I did that in both third grade and fifth grade and um, really in both, it was pretty successful. I kind of started pairing the reading graffiti wall when I moved to fifth grade with Padlet as well and kind of leaving it as another option with the reading graffiti wall students um, if they come across a quote that's super interesting to them or it, it spoke to them then they just write it on the wall I had black butcher paper metallic sharpies and they were pretty much free to go over there whenever they wanted to to write their quote down and we did a lot we did keep the quote we studied a lot of really cool people, world changers, difference makers. So we were always looking at quotes. So they were kind of conditioned to being more, um, I guess, aware of what they were reading when it came to quotes. So that went really well as well. But the one thing I think both Pilot and the graffiti wall was missing was that conversation piece. So that's kind of just through some reflection where this idea of the reading accountability partners came from. Um, which is funny because now it's kind of this coined term, but I really didn't even have a name for it. It was just something that came to me and I sat down with my fifth graders and we started to kind of talk through it. And that's where we came up with this idea of it truly being an accountability partner. And that's what your um, Edutopia piece was about. And that's how we found you because I read that article and thought this, it just sounded so exciting. So um, tell us about accountability partners. What are they and how do they support reading? Yeah, so reading accountability partners meet every day during an unrushed, protected time. So in fifth grade, we found that about 10-ish minutes each day worked. It gave both partners an adequate amount of time to discuss their previous day's reading. And we always kind of paired this with our independent reading time. So this was what kind of led us into our classroom independent reading time. I personally chose to assign my, part my partners in my classroom, but I don't think it has to be this way. I think it's just about knowing your students and what they will best benefit from. I didn't use a real system in assigning them. I looked at academics, their reading levels, their different interests, their home lives, and social emotional needs, and kind of just went from there. We spent about a week. It takes some time. It doesn't just happen overnight. Kind of setting up this time in our classroom. I modeled with and for students. Uh, we together built a bank of questions and conversation starters, which some of those questions are included in my article with Edutopia, um, and es established purpose for this time. And another thing, I didn't really get to talk about this in my article, that I did to establish purpose for our reading accountability partners was bring in a guest mystery reader each Friday, where they would kind of get to have that time to guess who was coming in based on some fun facts about that person. And then on Friday, this person, whether it be someone um, from within our school or within our community, would come in and read a favorite picture book to my students, but also I asked them to bring their reading. So whatever it was that they were reading at the time for personal reasons or professional reasons. So they would come in you know, with professional books or articles they had printed off and had highlighted up and 
books that they were reading just for fun. And they would talk to my students about what it looked like as an adult to be a reader and why it still mattered for them. And I kind of modeled that for my students as well. I was the one who kind of started that off just so they could see that there is real purpose to this. We had a very global classroom and that we did a lot of PBL and really kind of developed that whole child and hit all the social emotional needs. And every day we talked about change in the world. And I wanted them to have this really distinct connection between reading literature and truly being world changers and doing something with our reading. So that was kind of how I really just kind of bring in everybody in on board to help establish that purpose for them. We did practice a bit with our accountability partners. Again, it doesn't just happen. But then finally, we just rolled with it. I did have a partner that I worked with because we had an odd number, but I also at times would try to make myself mobile as well so that I could provide feedback to pairs who maybe were struggling in their conversations. My partner that I worked with was very strategic um, and it really ended up being a powerful situation for her, but also as me, as, as I was kind of showing them that, hey, I'm holding myself to the same standards and I'm also being kept for, uh, kept accountable for my reading as well. Because we are a continuous improvement school, we did graph some data um, that we did together as a class just to see if our partners were working because we do kind of focus on this making the invisible visible in our school, but also let's not keep doing something that's not working. So if we have data to support that it's working, let's keep moving forward with it. But if it's not what's best for kids, then we're not just going to continue to do it. So we did just have a simple bar graph and we just took a quick check every day. We had these calendars that we used. How many people read at home? There was no consequence tied to it. Again, it was not mandated, but it was just, let's see where we are as far as reading outside of school. And we did, we went from about 30% of students reading outside of school to 100% on a good day consistently, um, or on a good day, but consistently around 80% of students were reading outside of school. And I think the coolest part about that was it wasn't the same 20% of students who were not reading, like it might've been with a reading log. And I think this was because every student was truly invested. They had bought into that accountability piece. I would even overhear students apologizing to each other because they had not read the, the previous evening or the day before. And they would even talk to each other about, okay, what can you alleviate or what can we do better at to make sure that you are having that time? Oh, that was our <laughs> time. No, yeah. no, that was our time. That was just so, I, I could listen to you talk about this for, for so long, this is great. And I love the, you know, that you had that graph to show that it was not always the same percent of kids, the same students. And also the adult reading piece is so important. So we do have to wrap it up. Do you have any yeah. closing thoughts or something you want um, to say? No, I mean, I think we did have that data that kind of supported it. But more than that, I think they truly left my classroom readers. And I think that's going to follow them. And we know that's how students' lives are changed. And I really believe that some of their lives were completely redirected um, just because they were able to find a love for reading through their partner, um, just establishing this in our classroom. Well, that's so exciting. And I think it also might have had a little bit to do with their teacher, let's be honest. <laughs> so thank you so much thank for coming you. on. This was a wonderful topic. And um, for our listeners, if you enjoyed the show, uh, please leave us a comment to let us know. Our comment question is, have you ever signed off on or received a reading log you knew was fake? 
Please join us on Wednesday, January 15th, when our guest will be someone just as inspiring as Allie. You'll have to wait and see who that's going to be. Yes, and please don't forget to subscribe to hear more about easy ways for you to innovate in your classroom. If you like the show, and of course you do, please help others find it. Please help others find us by rating and leaving us a review on wherever you listen to this podcast. And remember, we are always looking for guests to share the great things that they are doing in their classrooms. So if you know someone who fits the bill, or if you'd like to be a guest, please visit tlc.ninja and complete the contact form to let us know. Thanks, and have a great 2020. Happy New Year, everyone.